Hi, and welcome to the Soul on Fire Bible Study Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Justin. Get ready to let God's consuming flame take hold of your life. Join us as we follow along with the Chapel High School Ministries Sunday Night Bible Study in the Book of John. Each week we'll dive deeper into another chapter and demonstrate how God speaks to us all through His Word. We are super excited to start this Bible study with you, and this week we're going to be going over chapter one of the book of John. It's always exciting to dive into the gospel, and our purpose here in this podcast is kind of to dive into the word and show that anyone can hear God's voice through the Bible. The, The Bible is our direct line to Jesus, our opportunity to get to know Jesus and hear the voice of God. And we don't have to go to a specific person to teach us how to do it. It's one of those things that God gives us the Bible so that we can have a personal relationship with him. We can understand where his voice comes in our lives. There's a couple ways that we do this for this specific Bible study. We have the NLT Bible, which is the Bible that the chapel mainly uses, um, and that's New Living Translation. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, three other Bibles that we kind of get some supplement information a little bit more to just go a little bit more in depth. Um, yeah, we wanted to give you guys the most in-depth information we could. So we have regular Bibles, we have study Bibles with footnotes and things, and you can use whatever version that you want at home. The reason we're using so many different ones is just right to give you that extra insight when you come to study a little deeper. So the three other Bibles that we are currently using, they're all study Bibles. Uh, We have a King James Version, we have an English Standard Version, and we have a New International Version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so as we go and we study throughout these different versions, we're going to ask ourselves the same questions you would while you're studying. And people use different methods to study the Bible and to ask themselves questions about it. You could use the SOAP method. Example here, it's reading the scripture. You observe what the passage has to say. You try to apply it to your life. And then you spend time with God in prayer. We can also ask ourselves the five W's as we're using with the chapel, high school ministry. Wow, what stood out to me about this passage? Wonder, what does this text make me wonder about? Why, what is the main point of this text? Who, who does this show me God is? Where, where can I apply this to my everyday life? So it's like soap, it's just broken down a little differently. Yeah, so um, all all the chapters are kind of broken down into separate segments. For example, we're going to be starting today in John 1. We have... The prologue, of course, and then we have a couple other segments in it. In it, so we're going to read a little bit of scripture, and then we're going to kind of come back and uh, talk about what stood out to us. We're going to talk about the things that we found in the study Bibles and in the different things that we looked at, and then we'll move on to the next section, and we'll just kind of take it section by section as we go through the chapters. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, would you like to read the prologue of John? (laughs) Okay, so we're going to read, we're going to start with the first 18 verses of John. Mm -hmm. So, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. 
So the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is, who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Wow. John 1 is just amazing to me. Um, it's so, so deep, and, and it's just the perfect beginning to a gospel. I, I love how it introduces us to Jesus and introduces people to Jesus in a way that it just changes your view. It's it's so personal and so connected, mm-hmm. and it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So going back, and, and we can walk through it as you started studying it, mm-hmm. uh, what are your thoughts about this first section of John 1? So, you know what, when we start at the very first verse, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. I feel like I have paragraphs about just that one verse. (laughs) I do as well. (laughs) I was looking in one of the study Bibles that we have here, and it was talking about how the Word in different texts kind of was conveyed as a different meaning. It has so many meanings, right? So we know the word, right? In the beginning, the word already existed. We know based on the next couple verses that the word is referring to Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus and God were one, right? They were with each other. During the very beginning of the world, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. The word is also talking about the physical word, right? Like the word that we're given in the Bible, which it really, you know, the layers and layers there is to this. If we think about the word as being a self-expression of God, it conveys the idea of divine self-expression or speech. We know that his word is effective, meaning his word has power and Jesus has power. And we know that when God speaks, things happen. So when we talk about, you know, in the beginning, the word already existed, we're not only talking about, you know, physical words or Jesus. We're talking about how Jesus was used as an instrument to create the world from the very beginning, right? How mind-blowing is that? I think that's awesome. I think that's great. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I really focused in on in this uh, first section was that you you hear Jesus is the word you you hear that and and you're like okay yeah I know the Bible like the Bible connects me to Jesus I get to learn who Jesus is through the Bible but the idea that as you're going through that the word it, it takes me back to beginning of Genesis Genesis one one in in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And, and then when you take the next step into God spoke everything into existence, mm-hmm. the, the action, mm-hmm. the action, the, the, the thing that created everything was God's words. And to connect that to Jesus was there in the beginning mm-hmm. and, and, and even to take it further that later on when it said that Jesus came into the world that he created, he literally was the creator of things. <laughs> There's no exaggeration there. And and I do like the point that you made about there, there was a section in one of them. It was in the, the one I have listed here was the NIV. There was an excerpt that I really love to read. And it said that like referring to Jesus as the word, if you go back and you look at the Greek word for it and you look at the, the way that the Jewish people look at it. So if you go back and look at the Greek word, the Greek word was logos. And Logos has a deeper meaning than just word. Logos also means reason. It means the reason for everything. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just another deep meaning. Of, of course, for the Jewish people, word meant the law. It meant the yeah. Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we see a lot of the connection to all of this today. Um, 
But yeah, I really, I agree with you exactly on the point that you made there. You know what? If we were to go to that first verse and replace the phrase, the word, with some of the things we've said, it would be like, in the beginning, the reason already existed, right? Or in the beginning, the law already existed. Jesus, the law, the whole plan of salvation was already mapped out from the beginning. God knew that when he created people, we were never going to be able to be perfect. So he gave us the law in the Old Testament. But people could not stick to the law. They were they were too drawn to sin. So he gave us Jesus, a reason, the way of salvation, so that we actually can enjoy the benefits of being close to God, right? We can actually have a relationship with him all because of the word. We were not kidding when we said these, <laughs> these first couple of verses were like jam-packed. So the next verse... He exists. Oh, no, there's a little more for the first verse. Actually, I have one more thing I want to say about the first verse because um, as I was reading through the King James Version, Mm -hmm. I noted something. There there was a text, piece of the text down in the study version or in the study portion of it. Yeah. And I thought it was awesome, especially when it pertains to the five W's. Mm -hmm. As I was reading it, it notes that there are two instances in the Bible where Satan is recorded as tempting someone mm. about the word of God. Okay. And, and we know that word to be Jesus, something that we should know. And, and first, we see it in Genesis 3, 1 through 5, when the question that he asks Eve, what he does in the garden, is he asks, did God really say, mm. is that really what his word meant? And then again in Matthew 4, we see it in 3 and 6, where what does he do to Jesus when Jesus goes into the wilderness? Mm. When he tempts Jesus, he tempts Jesus to know, does he know the word? Mm. So taking from that, the the King James Version beautifully then asked a question. And and the question is like it's straight out of the five W's. It, It then asks... Knowing this, knowing that the way Satan works in these multiple instances in the Bible when he tempts people is to question the word. Mm. Knowing this, how much more important it is for us to not just read the word, not just know what it said Mm -hmm. because we glanced over it, but to know the word. To get so connected with the word, to get so connected with Jesus Mm -hmm. that we have this knowledge that when Satan tempts us with stuff like that, when Satan tries to tell us that the word says something different, that God says something different, that we're ready to stand up to those fights. Right. Wow. That's so true as well. It really is. You know what? The last thing I will say about this verse is that if we were to break down, I know we talk a lot about that little first section, but the word was with God, the fact that it says with is the implication that they have an interpersonal relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Which we did glance over before. And that the word was God. Of course, that's implying that Jesus and God are one in the same. So they are basically two of three parts that make up a whole, which is the Trinity. Well, not not even just on the term of um, truth of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God being all together, but it, it affirms the gospel to look at it this way and mm-hmm. to know that a lot of people want to say that, like there's other religions that say Jesus was a prophet. Well, Jesus isn't a prophet if he's 100% God. Yeah, exactly. When Jesus came down, he isn't, this, this isn't saying that Jesus came down and gave up his mm-hmm. being God. Yeah. Jesus is 100% God. And in no way is that a question. Jesus is 100% God, and he comes down and lives as man. Mm-hmm. And and that's the nature of understanding that there's so much behind this person of Jesus mm-hmm. when he's here on earth. And, and we see this a lot in the Gospel of John, it, just how many times he points to the deity of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know what, that brings me to one of the W's that we have, something that really stood out to me that it makes me wonder which is actually another w is the fact that if god didn't send his own son who literally is god with him right 
How could we ever trust that what he's telling us is the truth, right? He says many times in this book, as we'll find out, the only reason I have the authority to tell you any of these things is because of who my father is, and I'm one with him. If it would have just been another man, like John the Baptist, for example, who we're going to read about, then he has only earthly authority, no divine authority, other than what God has given him. So it's just so powerful. God knew that if he didn't send his son... People likely wouldn't accept him. But anyways, we'll get to that. Okay, so the next verse we have is, he existed in the beginning with God, which we've talked a little bit about already. So he was literally coming to his own creation. Do you have anything to add about that one, Justin? Uh, No, actually my next note's on the next. Uh, it's on verse three. Awesome. And that was, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Woo, goosebumps. <laughs> so as I as I was reading this in the different versions, there were actually all three of the study Bibles had very, very good notes on it. The the King James Version refers us to Hebrews 1 2. Mm, and in okay. Hebrews 1 2 it, it says, Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And when you go back to God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him, mm-hmm. it's just reaffirming. It's it's a yeah. reaffirming thing that you see across so many books. Uh, the King James Version also then refers us to uh, Colossians 1.12, mm-hmm. where for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Yeah, it's so often that I think about creation as just the earth, you know, like the moon and the stars and things, but the heavens, I mean, the things that we don't see in our world, not the physical world, God created those things too. And so that's very powerful. And in that last little section of Colossians 112 Mm -hmm. shows how beautifully God's plan has unfolded thus far. Mm -hmm. And, And as we know from the Bible, it's, It's already written, it's already won, it's Mm -hmm. already over, everything's done. Mm -hmm. All things were created by him and for him. Yeah. It was God's plan from the start. Mm -hmm. All of this is God's plan from the start. And we can see that through many sections of the Old Testament, but we'll come back to that later. I I have some notes on that later. Okay. (laughs) So then I moved on uh, the English Standard Version, as well as mentioning those, Mm -hmm. also mentions Colossians 1.16. And it makes note that this means that nothing, absolutely nothing predates the word. It always existed. So we may look at this and say, you know, the Bible has only been around so long. You might have people who say, well, is the Bible really kept it good? Like, do we know we can trust the people who write the Bible? That is well, an awesome <laughs> the Bible is literally the oldest living thing ever yeah. because the word existed before anything else. Yeah. One more thing on verse three. So when <laughs> I, I got to the, <laughs> when I got to the NIV version to, to kind of come full circle with what we were talking yeah. about, as mm-hmm. far as the word predating everything, yeah. it, the NIV version refers us to John eight fifty eight. And when you read John 8, 58, uh, Jesus is being questioned about how can he claim to know all these things? How can he claim the knowledge that he claims when he's preaching to people if he's not even 50 years old? How? And and John 8, 58 is his, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. One of those I am statements that makes the point, once again, that this was the plan in the Old Testament. And if, if you even if go back to go back to 56, when Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming, he saw it and was glad. The plan was there all along. Jesus was the plan all along. Abraham understood that Jesus was the plan. Yeah. So I'm going to read verse 4 and 5 here. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Okay, I'm going to read the next part too. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. 
Oh, I actually read seven too. Okay, so going back to four and five though, when I see words about, you know, life, light, darkness, it really makes me think about creation. You know, this whole little section one through five is really trying to make us think about the beginning, right? And we can go back to Genesis, which was all about the beginning. So we know that he was there. We know that he brought the light, as it said. And this reminds me so much of stories that we see on TV about good versus evil, light versus dark. And it all is, it's all a representation of the battles we go through all the time. God shows us very clearly in the beginning that where the presence of light is, darkness cannot be. Wow. Just apply that to your life. You know, wherever Jesus is, the darkness cannot get to you. And what I was thinking about is, you know, in our life, if we think of our life as a story, this is like the prelude to how that story ends if we believe in Jesus. It always, throughout the whole entire book, is going to remind us that in the beginning and the end, no matter what, if you have Jesus, you're going to have that light. And the darkness isn't going to be able to affect you. Yeah, so that's, it's amazing that you talk about, uh, you, you went to a metaphor even. Mm-hmm. Because Metaphors, these, yeah. these brought me to a metaphor, a, a different metaphor, but still a metaphor. I, I just step back and as a science major, as whatever, I, I just look at the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And, and simple scientific, in air quotes, <laughs> understandings of the world. Look at something as simple as Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. In our world, where does our light come from? Supposedly this this big ball of fire in the sky that's called the sun. (laughs) Literally the sun. Take it a step further. We talk about how we aren't light. We, We don't create light. Right. Jesus is the light. We can carry Jesus's light into the world. Right. But we don't create light. Nothing else creates light. Right. Why then does everything illuminate the way that it does mm-hmm. in, during the day? Yeah, It's because the light of the sun mm-hmm. is bouncing off of everything. Right. Just s- simply scientific, the, the photons coming down, the, the light coming down from the sun is bouncing off of everything and creating light and surrounding us with light. Mm-hmm. It's all from the light of the sun. Mm-hmm. Even at night, even in the darkness, mm-hmm. what is the moon? What lights the moon? The sun lights the moon. The yeah. moon is just reflecting the light of the sun. Mm-hmm. We are surrounded in a metaphor that just turns us back to Jesus. It's so true. Wow. That is awesome. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell us about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell us about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. I'll stop there. So something I have about it is we see that John the Baptist is the witness. Mm -hmm. I know that we have John, who's a human representative, right? Who's a witness for this person. So they are able to vouch for Jesus, right? And I think we talked a little bit about this when we were actually talking about this in small groups and on our Sunday night Bible study, is that when we think about applying that to our own life, we are the witnesses to other people for Jesus. We are like, maybe in a language that everyone can understand, we are brand ambassadors for Jesus. And so when other people see us, we're going to be able to vouch for Jesus and the effect he's had on our lives and vouch for the word of God. So that was something I took from it. And his testimony, people say the word testimony a lot. And when I was younger, I didn't really understand what a testimony was or why it was so important. But it's basically... It doesn't even have to be a story, but it's kind of the words you say to represent Jesus, right? I can have a testimony of Jesus has affected my life this way. Or I could just say, you know, something about Jesus. That can be a testimony. It's basically just the things you do to be that ambassador for Jesus. And then up to this point, we know that there were a lot of prophets in the Bible, but he was the first eyewitness with the message of the gospel, right? So he's going to be able to physically see Jesus. In the Old Testament, people would say, somebody is coming, a Messiah, he's going to save us. But John the Baptist gets to see Jesus, which is amazing. Another detail that I picked up from 
9, um, the King James Version talks about uh, in the study section, mm-hmm. is that it shows in 9 when it says, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. It shows that who gives light to everyone, our, our salvation, even, even before Jesus came, mm-hmm. was given freely. Yeah. Uh, Jesus was giving himself freely even to that point. Now, it, it doesn't say that it doesn't say that we're just saved because he just gives it to us. But we have to be able to accept that gift. Mm-hmm. We aren't just predestined into something. We're being given something. So if we move on, let's do verse 10 through 12 here then. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Quick pause. Okay. The world didn't recognize him. In the Old Testament, the people who believed in God never actually got to see God, right? He always was either example with the children of Israel when they were wandering through the wilderness. He would be a pillar of fire by day, pillar or like a cloud by night, right? And they would follow it. Um, Even Moses, who was so close to God, was never able to see his whole image or his whole face. He was able to see a glimpse of him and even that made him glow because it was just too much. No one would recognize him because no one had seen him at this point. So he came to his own people and even they rejected him, but all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Yeah, so it's amazing looking at this. When when I look at this section, I would also throw in 13 where it says they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And and when I look at just 12 to 13, it's all we need. It's all we need. Uh, like this first section, uh, these first 18 verses are so chock full of everything that we need. You could sit down and you could just understand the plan of Jesus, mm-hmm. the plan around Jesus, just from this. Well, it, it tells you plainly right here, the base truth of our faith. But all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Mm-hmm. We just need to believe and accept in him to know how we find salvation. The gift, going back to nine, the gift that he was freely giving. And then you even take it a step further. I, I love something that the NIV study Bible pointed out to me was that they are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but by a birth that comes from God. We are given an opening by the spiritual birth. We are given salvation through the spiritual birth that no person can receive or it has inherited through a physical birth. Mm-hmm. There is no one who was just born into a situation where they receive salvation. Even though at the time there were people who might have said it, even though today's time there might be people who say it, no one is saved by physical birth. You know what? Many times I remember growing up, people would always want to pose the question, are we born good or are we born wicked? So are we born with a clean slate or are we born into sin? And it clearly answers this question here. We're born into sin. So the whole point is that we're constantly finding new ways to sin because we're born wicked. But it clearly says right here, that is the whole reason Jesus came. We could not be perfect without him. And anybody who believes that Jesus came to be that sacrifice so that we didn't have to pay for the wages of our sin, right? Which is death. Anyone who sins has the punishment of death. But the gift of God means that we can have life eternal and we can have a relationship with Jesus. So literally, John, the coolest thing about this book is he's giving us this prelude, right? This whole little section here to let us know, I'm about to talk about the man known as Jesus, who is the son of God. But before you get started, know these things because the people that we're going to read about, they would say these things to them. Like, you can't be born as a physical birth. You're going to be born with a spiritual birth. And they had no clue what Jesus was talking about. So you get the inside knowledge of, this is what he's talking about. I'm going to try to make it clear before I show you examples of Jesus telling the people this and them completely not understanding what he's talking about. Which is true. <laughs> I, I love everything the way you just put it. And, and it really just takes me to Romans 3.23, mm-hmm. Paul, just the simple, mm-hmm. beautiful truth mm-hmm. that for all of 
sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. There's none of us, no one who is without sin. We are all, we are born into sin after what happened in the garden. We all need Jesus. We all need to turn to him and accept our free gift of salvation. So the last thing I'll say about that is in verse 12, this concept was, we have to understand revolutionary at the time because the people who believed in God all believe that the way to have a relationship with God was to be good at following the laws. But the laws, a lot of them at the time were man-made. God gave them laws. He gave them the Ten Commandments and other things as well. But man, people added to that law. And it was so difficult to be considered blameless. And so those people at the time had to bring sacrifices to the temple to kind of be a short-term atonement for sin. So Jesus coming, the idea that you would not have to do that anymore, that breaks their religion. It, it's going to be very difficult for these people to understand. And they thought that God is, you can only be close to God by doing those sacrifices following this law. And that all who believed on him and accepted him became children of God. They had the right to become children. So the last thing I'll say is that inheritance in our day and age is like a family member might pass away and you get an inheritance. You're gifted something of theirs. Typically, it's earthly treasure, gold, silver, paintings, a really nice car, something like that. We're not. The point is, though, this is the first mention in this book, too, of kind of like the right to become children of God. We get the same inheritance. We get the privilege to have his inheritance. And that inheritance that he's talking about is the relationship with him and everlasting life. Boom. I just thought that was really important amazing yeah all right cool so where do we need to pick up again so the the next as we're closing in on eight uh john 118 here um, 14 14 is just an amazing verse Mm -hmm. so the word became human and made his home among us he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness we have seen his glory the glory of the father's one and only son and, and fulfilling our understanding that Jesus is not 50-50. He's not half God and half human when he's on. He is 100% God and 100% human. Really good point there. Really good point. Um, and you know what? When I look back on that, it makes me think about how he took on humanity, right? He took human form. That's what that talks about. He dwelled among us. And that really reminds me of the fact that the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament is where God dwelled with the people. This again, right, breaks their the whole religious standard that they had for how you got to communicate with God. And the holy place was in the temple. And it really is even more of a precursor to Jesus knowing what they believed. Because the mentality at the time was that the presence of God in the temple was so separated from everybody. Normal women were not allowed in there. Many men weren't allowed there. Even some priests weren't allowed in there, right? So you had to be cleansed in order to go into the holiest of holies. So that whole, he's among us now. Woo, that's that's a game changer. So John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who's far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Yeah, it implies that John has been proclaiming Jesus. Okay, so from his abundance, this is 16. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God. is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Woof, that just further we've, what we've been saying, right? It's another affirmation of mm-hmm. the deity of Christ, mm-hmm. which this is the purpose of John the Baptist here. John the Baptist was the witness for Christ. The witness that when Christ was here, that this is him. He's the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. And the, the other distinction that I, I like as I'm reading 17 is, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. 
yeah. you still have people who want to say at times, are we still under the Old Testament? And, and this right here is such a beautiful explanation that Jesus is the fulfillment of that. What we have here is the fulfilling of the New Testament. There's no more sacrifices. We don't have to do sin offering sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the perfect sin offering sacrifice. Mm -hmm. We need only to turn to Jesus. And we live under grace. We live under the grace of Jesus. And that's the only promise we need. You know, if I ask myself, what is the main point of this text as we're getting to the end? Or who does this show me that God is? I love that it says it right there. God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus. His love is unfailing and he is faithful to those who trust in him. So that tells you just a little snippet of some of the things that God is, right? And if we talk about the main point of this to sum up this whole section, who is Jesus? What is the plan of salvation? And who is God, right? He's revealing himself to the people through Jesus. So are you ready to start on this next little section? So moving on from mm -hmm. uh, the prologue, which yeah. again, it was just so, it, it, it's kind of a long section, mm -hmm. but it is just so rich. Yeah. So, so much in it. And so moving on. Uh, starting at 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. <laughs> then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Ooh, okay. We get to cross off a couple things here right away. We're starting what is going to be the first week of Jesus's ministry. John, we know, is not the Messiah, but he is there to proclaim him, right? Proclaim the way of the Lord, which is basically Jesus's coming. And we know that he denies here being the Old Testament Elijah, so the Jewish people at the time would know that in the book of Malachi chapter 4, which is the Old Testament, it states that I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Many times the Jewish people will look at a situation and say, you're a prophet. This lines up with something we already know. We're not going to get too deep into this right now because as we go throughout the New Testament, we get more information about this situation. But what we really need to know is that he's saying, I'm just a witness for the Messiah. That's the important takeaway here, right? The, the Pharisees at the time are confused about who this person is. But even John says it himself. Don't worry about who I am. Worry about who I'm proclaiming. Well, and even during this time, stepping back and, and looking a little bit at what the Jewish people thought about Elijah. The Jewish people know that Elijah was one of the only people in the Old Testament that never died. Right. Elijah was just taken up into heaven. So there's this belief that he would return during the end times. Mm -hmm. um, and, and later we hear Jesus say that, John was Elijah, even though John here is denying being Elijah. And, and it's kind of a sense that what the Jewish people were looking at about this Elijah character, what they're looking for is the role that John fulfilled. Not necessarily that John was Elijah himself in the flesh. Right. So in 24, then the Pharisees who had been sent, 25, asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? Because that's what he was doing. Hence the name John the Baptist. John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowds is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. In, in this, I think the one thing that I really take away is looking at the, the section kind of looks at what's the importance of the baptism of John. One of our first steps in accepting salvation, of course, is repentance. Mm -hmm. 
that's what we get from, in, in that time, the baptism of John was just an outward showing of repentance, showing that the people took that first step mm-hmm. into salvation, which they didn't understand fully what salvation was going to be until Jesus came, but they were already taking that repentance step. Exactly. And nowadays when we see baptisms, it really mirrors that representation that Jesus, or that we were talking about earlier in John. When we sin in this world, we have a death sentence on us, right? God says, we talked about it a little bit, the wages of sin is death. And this is a reference to Romans 6, chapter chapter 6, uh, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We know that we have a death penalty and Jesus came to be the sacrifice. He paid the debt for us. It's like someone stepping into a courtroom and taking your punishment for you so that we could have that relationship with God. When we accept Jesus into our lives, we don't have that death sentence anymore, right? So we're no longer dead. We have a new life. Now we have everlasting life with Jesus. So when we get baptized, the old it's a representation of the old man dying and the new man having that spiritual rebirth through Jesus Christ. I don't think we had mentioned that yet. And so this is also mentioning the Pharisees starting in verse 24. We're going to talk more about that in a week or two here, but just a tidbit. It's a small but influential group of Jews who emphasize the observance of the law and their own traditions as the path to righteousness. So when we talked about traditionalism, you will see traditionalism at its worst sometimes. When people talk about someone who's a hypocrite, someone who say they follow the law to the T, but then they don't actually live it. They're telling you to do something, but they're not going to do it themselves. Many times people refer to the Pharisees as a great example of hypocrites or hypocrisy. Moving on, because a lot of the rest of this is kind of exposition, we're, we're just going to read the rest of this and then hit the few bullet points that we have going through here. So starting on 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who had heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida. Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person who Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So 
going back a really, really big chunk. We had just finished kind of talking at 28. Um, I kind of, a note that I had taken when I was reading through 29 to 34 is it's, it's amazing. We, we look at so many times, like you, you look back and you can say, man, how come these people didn't understand who Jesus was? John didn't even know who Jesus was and he was sent to be his witness. He didn't even know until he saw the sign that God gave him. So that that was something that stood out to me that kind of wowed me in that section. Something that I think was that stood out to me while I was reading, the one verse where it says, what good thing can come out of Nazareth? I just think in my mind, just replace the name of your hometown. You know, mm-hmm. what good thing could come out of Sullivan? What good thing could come out of Sandusky, Right. The world is so full of sin, and yet Jesus was born into the same world. I thought that stood out. I also thought it was neat when I was looking at, I think it was the English Standard Version Study Bible, it mentioned that, as it does in the text, right, the Messiah is Hebrew and that the word Christ is Greek. So they're supposed to be closer to interchangeable. Mm-hmm. thought that was neat because it's like, where do we get the word Christ from, right? And it's going to mention it. Something really cool that I found in verse 42, um, Mm -hmm. the King James Version, Mm -hmm. and the study portion mentioned this. It mentioned that the name Simon Mm -hmm. means hot-tempered, volatile, (laughs) and violent. (laughs) I just can't help but going back to in the garden when Jesus is being arrested, Uh Peter cutting off the servant's ear. Yeah, Peter's kind of a hothead. (laughs) Okay, and you know what? The funniest thing to me is that how many people could you say, yeah, they're a Peter, but Jesus uses them, right? God uses Peter so much. He's so instrumental in spreading the gospel. It kind of uh, hammers home the fact that it doesn't matter what your personality is, you know, or what your strengths or weaknesses are. God's going to be able to use you. Even a hothead who literally is like (laughs) off the rails can be used by Jesus, right? (laughs) Oh, man. You know what? Going to verse 48, I thought it was interesting. And that verse was, you know, how do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. And then he tells him that he saw him. That is one of the displays that we see of supernatural knowledge from Jesus confirming his identity. We're going to start to see in the next couple of chapters signs. And we ask ourselves, why does Jesus have to do miracles? Isn't the message of the gospel enough? It is, but we have to remember the Jewish people would communicate to God, right? And God would send them signs and things, right? I won't get into all of that right now. I'll talk about that more next week when we talk about the wedding in Cana. But Without this supernatural aspect, people might not believe that he is God. It's going to take these miracles to help persuade some people. And then in verse 51, which is, then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. He's basically going to, he's saying, you know, you're going to see more responsiveness from God than ever before with the prophets in the Old Testament. We're going to see so many signs and miracles, and he's giving them a prelude to that. It's basically a prelude to a greater way to access God that they did not know at the time. Well, and uh, the other thing that I love from 51 is when he uses the term son of man. Where Mm -hmm. where does son of man come from? And him using son of man in that day would refer us back to the prophet Daniel. And if you look at Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, this is where we find this in the Old Testament, something that the Jewish people would know, especially the Pharisees who focus on the law. And Daniel 7, 13, 14 says, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all nations of the world, so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And it just, going back to taking Son of Man out of that, what Jesus was doing was just trying to draw from, showing that he is there in the Old Testament, that Mm -hmm. he is this person that has been brought down through so many things. We saw it with Abraham. We saw it with, we'll, we'll see it in so many different ways. 
the the last thing that I got from 51 was angels ascending and descending him as a stairway mm-hmm. or a ladder. Makes me think of Jacob's ladder. Huh? Direct tie <laughs> to Jacob's ladder. Yeah. Direct tie. Well, this has been a lot of fun. This has been a very, very long one. We're <laughs> getting near an hour here. So with John Juan, of course, it there's so much to dive into. It's going to be this long. We There's a little bit of introduction in the beginning. Um, but yeah. as we start going through, it, it's going to get better and better. John 2 is probably going to be a little bit shorter of a section, <laughs> as, as it's a little bit shorter of a chapter. And then we'll get into more as we keep going. Yeah. And from here on out, you're going to hear basically the same type of format for our episodes, but we want you to be involved too. So after you go through these episodes, ask yourself, wow, what stood out to me? Or what does this text make me wonder about? What is the main point of this text? Who does God show me he is? And where can I apply this to my everyday life? Just like we were trying to do as we studied. Also, if you want to get involved, if you're part of the high school ministries, come find Justin or I and ask questions and hopefully we'll be able to answer them through this. And in the future here, we'll try to find some other ways that you can submit questions or insights you have because we all study together and that's how we all learn. As, as well as our purpose of this podcast is to show that anyone can study, it's mm-hmm. uh, listen to this podcast, but listen to this after you've studied. Mm-hmm. Listen to this and use it as a communication. It, it's a conversation. It's We are reading it and we are giving you what we're finding. Mm-hmm. Katie's finding different things than I'm finding. You're going to find different things than we find. It's a conversation and it helps us to see more clearly Mm -hmm. the whole picture. When we are able to share different points of view, see different points of view. This is why Bible studies are so So huge. They are so amazing and fulfilling because you get to see a lot more perspective Mm -hmm. on how God shows things to different people in different ways. Yeah. I hope that John one's been a blessing to you all as we've gone through this for this long segment (laughs) and we hope that this helps you connect deeper to Jesus through this Bible study. Yeah. All right. We love you guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye.